Have you ever, you know, walked uh, out the door in the morning and uh, maybe you're heading off to, you know, write a big exam or you had a big uh, job interview or a project that was, that you were presenting on or something big was happening and uh, one of your parents or your spouse or a friend or a roommate said after you, you're going to do great, just be yourself. So anyone, has anyone ever heard that before? We often encourage people, we say to them, you know, just be yourself. You're going to do great. You know this. You've got this. We all want to be ourselves. Why is this? We all want to act a certain way. We all want to act completely in line with who we are. We don't want to get pushed around by other people's opinions of us or expectations of us. We don't want to be let down by, um, you know, what other people say about us. What we want is to act exactly what we believe. It's called integrity. Integrity is a big word for meaning our actions and our character are the same. And today we meet a strange man, a very strange man, named John the Baptist. And the sermon's going to be even more confusing because John the Baptist and John the Gospel writer are two different people, and I'm going to be referring to both. And I was thinking about it, you know, because John the, the Gospel writer is, is uh, John, son of Zebedee, John the Baptist, so I was going to do JB for John the Baptist, and then JZ for John of Zebedee, but that doesn't work either. So we're just going to try to avoid as much confusion as, as we can. I'll try to be clear. Uh, but John the Baptist, different from the gospel writer, was not the popular kid on the block. Probably never was. You know, he's not the guy who's walking around high school with AirPods and Ray-Bans. He's out in the desert eating locusts and honey and yelling at people to repent. Sounds like a pretty popular guy. And yet, People are flocking to him. Why? How could John be so confident in who he is and his character that he's actually attractive? Well, John shows us, because his character and who he is, it's exactly who we all want to be. He's such a beautiful character. And he's a witness to Jesus because he, sh and he, sh he shows us this in such a powerful way because he, he shows us that being a witness is actually not as ang anxious or anxiety-filling as we think it, it is. A lot of us, a lot of CRC people tend to think of witness and we go, oh! But John shows us that being a faithful witness is not about having the right answers. John actually gets stuff wrong about who he is. It's not about being liked or stylish. He clearly didn't really care about that. It's not about being introverted or extroverted. What it comes down to, what living lives of faithful witness to Jesus comes down to integrity. How do we live with integrity? So I want for us to see this morning that integrity in John comes as a byproduct of his relationship with God. That's it. Bottom line, if you don't walk away with anything else this morning, integrity comes from a relationship with God. So how can we 
find the same integrity as John. Three things. We have to see the invitation and challenge of his witness. We have to see the character of his witness, and we have to see the person of his witness. The invitation and challenge, the character, and the person. So, first, the invitation and challenge. So, there's two things in this passage that invite us to find ourselves with the crowds that day as John is baptizing. The first is the fact that the gospel writer puts two words in this passage. He says, the Jews sent people to check out John the Baptist. The Jews. So in our Bibles, this, um, these two words are given, you know, when the NIV writers translate the Greek into English, they, get, they sometimes do some of that work of interpretation for us. And so they've done that here. And so I think in our NIVs, it doesn't say the Jews. It says the Jewish leaders. Am I right? The Jewish leaders sent uh, priests and Levites to check out John. But actually in the Greek, it's a phrase that pops up often in John's gospel, the Jews. And Leslie Newbegin uh, tells us w- what this means. He comments on it. He says, in the fourth gospel, the Jews represent the world, and especially the religious world. And so what John is doing at the beginning of this is inviting us, all of those who find themselves in the world or in the religious world, to ask the same questions that the priests and Levites are. Who are you, and why are you baptizing? Because John was getting a lot of you know, creating a lot of buzz in Israel for what he was doing. There would have been Instagram stories from people who were heading out to be baptized by him. He would have had, you know, a segment highlighted on the national one evening. See, he was a big deal because of what he was doing. And uh, so the questions that the, the, the Jewish leaders are asking him, you know, who are you? And what are you doing? Show us that everyone, religious people and irreligious people, are thrown off by his ministry. Why? Because he baptized. John John is is doing something so countercultural, and and that's what, when the religious leaders ask him, you know, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Because the Messiah would have baptized. But he says, no. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? They're trying to see if he fits any of the character types for the end times figures, the people who were prophesied about in the Old Testament. No. Well, then why are you baptizing? Baptism in Jewish religion was different than it is in the church today. Uh, in, in their day, not everyone was baptized. It wasn't um, the entrance into, um, into faith in God. Only Gentiles were baptized. Only people on the outside were baptized because only those who were on the outside needed to be cleansed. And so what John is doing is he is inviting all people, all people, to recognize the need to be clean. Now, this is so radical. It is both an invitation and a challenge to almost everyone on the face of this planet. So first, the religious people, the priests and the Levites that come, they are challenged by this. They're looking at his baptism, and they're going, no, 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 that's not how it works. No, we, 
have the law and we obey the law and that's how we're clean. This doesn't fit their paradigm. See, John is saying, no, no, that's not enough. You don't need more laws. You don't need to be more faithful to the law in order to be clean. What you need to do is actually admit that you're like a Gentile, that you are unable to do this on your own, that you need to be washed. You need repentance. You need to admit that you can't do it by yourself. You can't earn your way into a right relationship with God. This challenges the religious order, but it doesn't just challenge, it also invites them because what is also in this is John saying, there's something you've been missing. You think you've been living the life that God wants, but actually there's more. And he's sending his Messiah to heal the gap once and for all between him, God, and humanity. He's going to do what the law can't do. He's going to bring us back together. This is an invitation to see something that God is doing. So it's a challenge and an invitation. It's what we've all been looking for. See, John speaks to all of us who struggle with a sense of identity. You know, where do we get our identity from? Is it from what we can do, what we can accomplish? John's baptism invites and challenges us, meets us, and says to us, we can't do it, and that's okay. Because we can humble ourselves and repent. But John's baptism was radical for other ways, too. It doesn't, it's not just about religi- religion, challenging the religious people. It's about um, challenging also the social ladder. John's baptism was for all people, meaning rich and poor. There's a a quality in John's baptism, and it changes the way we see people. All people, rich or poor, are in need of baptism. It also uh, challenges the cultural system, right? It's not a Jew-Gentile divide. All people, regardless of race and ethnicity, need to come on the same level, admit the same thing, and receive the baptism of repentance. John's baptism is a radical leveling of the human experience, and it challenges and invites us all to see the new way of life that he's calling us into. The second reason why John's baptism is radical, though, first is because he was baptizing. Second is because he was the one who is doing it. Now, in Jewish culture, it was self-administered baptism. Many of you probably saw Madeline's baptism last Sunday. I baptized Madeline, right? But um, in Jewish culture, the, the, they would baptize themselves. They would, the, the Gentiles who wanted to come into the Jewish faith, they would, they would wash themselves. They would baptize themselves. But John is doing this for people. He's administering the baptism. Why is this so radical? Because it's not about what they can do. It's, about, it's only about receiving. It's only about receiving. It's only— something that we can receive. We must hear the invitation and challenge of John's baptism and receive it as a symbol of our need for cleansing. Now, interestingly enough, there's, um, we talk about our baptismal identity in church sometimes because many of us um, who are a part of the family of God have been baptized. And some denominations, what they'll do is they'll actually take the baptismal font every Sunday— and they'll move it to the back of the church so that everyone on their way can dip their hand in the font and remember 
remember that they are marked by their baptism. They are constantly needing to be um, cleansed by God. Like, it's not a, a rebaptism, but it's a reminder. It's a symbol. John's baptism was a symbol of our repentance. Something we all need to—it's to, the starting place. It's the starting place for our character. The second thing is—the um, second point is John—the character of John's witness. And so these two questions that the, the religious leaders uh, ask the Baptist— who are you? Why are you baptizing? Also, they don't just point to the invitation and challenge, but also to his character because of the way he answers these questions. How does he respond to them? Well, um, it, it, think about this. If, if your work was being examined, that is, it's a very vulnerable thing to have our work examined by somebody, to, to be, um, to have our, what we do picked apart and critiqued, right? It's very vulnerable because it points past just who, what we're doing and points to who we are. I remember back when I was in university and I needed help with papers and grammar, um, I would get people to proofread my paper. And I remember every time that there was somebody who would mark it up. You know, you get the paper back and it'd be like chock full of red marks. I would get defensive. I'd get defensive. Why? Because I felt an attack not on my work, but on my person, who I was. Right? This is exactly what John is experiencing. These people are coming to him and they're questioning his work, his calling, his, his, his person. Who are you? And why do you baptize? But notice that he isn't defensive. He doesn't respond angrily. He's full of grace and patience. In other gospels, you know, John is very judgmental of the religious leaders, but not here in John's gospel, because John wants us to see the Baptist's character. It says he confessed freely, meaning he was open and honest. He didn't care what other people knew about him or thought about him. They continue to ask, are you Elijah? Which would have been a great compliment in his day. And he responds, no. Are you the prophet? No. Then who are you? You know, John's got this whole crowd, this whole following, and who, what is he? He says, I'm a voice. I'm just a voice. John is unbelievably humble. You think he could take at least a little bit of credit. I'm a voice that has this massive following. I'm a voice that many people have come to and been baptized by. No, I'm a voice. Why? Where does he get that from? Well, I'm a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. It shows us that he wasn't getting his identity from who he was or the work he was doing or his performance or how his message was, was received or how famous he was. He says he, he's not a, I'm, not a he said, I'm not a voice who lots of people listen to. I'm not a voice who people look up to. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. It's about the Lord. So how can John completely take himself out of it? It's a good question. But the second question that the religious leaders ask him looks past his humility to his boldness. So John's character is not just incredibly humble, he's also radically bold. They ask him, if you're not any of these end times characters, then why are you baptizing? It makes no sense to them. And how does he respond? 
He says, I baptize. That's his answer. He doesn't, he just, they say, why, are you, why then do you baptize? He says, I baptize with water. This is John being incredibly bold. He's basically saying to the religious leaders, I don't have to give you an answer. I don't have to answer to you because I answer to somebody else. He doesn't owe anything to the religious leaders, not even an answer. He doesn't have to please them. He can just, he's incredibly bold because he knows that he's not a people pleaser. And so John's incredible character can be summed up like this. He's able to be completely humble and radically bold because he doesn't get his identity from his performance or his following or his career so nobody can touch him. He is full of integrity. What he believes is what he does. He's detached from the things that many of us struggle with. See, some of us are trying to be true to ourselves, to figure out who we are, and not being swayed by other people's opinions, but we just can't shake this feeling, this fact that what people think of us still matters. Right? No matter how hard we try, how many Instagram likes we get on photos, still matters. It's still, we can't get rid of that thing deep down in, inside of us that we look to our performance or our social acceptance or whatever. Others of us, you know, look at, want to be seen as perfect, want to be seen as completely put together. We don't like people, it makes us feel uncomfortable when people see us in need or messing up at all. And so when stuff goes on in our lives, we do our best just to like shove it down and, and stomp it down and put it under the table and put on this face. We try to cover it up and keep it hidden and pull off the illusion that we have it all together. See, both of these ways are out of integrity. Right? We can't, on our own, be true to ourselves, really true to ourselves, and we can't keep up the illusion that we have it all together because we don't. But John's character, look at John, he's different. He is completely true to himself, right? He only does what he wants to do. And he's unafraid of being honest about himself. How? He has a gospel character. We have to look at the person of John's witness. Remember, John, as we've read in the gospel, he's a witness of the light. John points us to the life of the light, the person of the light in a very, very, very important foreshadowing. See, John speaks humbly about Jesus when he says, there's one who's coming who stands among you who you do not know. He comes after me. He's the one whose sandals, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. See, in ancient times, it was the lowliest of the low who was in charge of unstrapping a person's sandals and washing their feet. They walked around all day in grossness and disgustingness, and by the time it was dinner time, their feet were absolutely stinky and gross and smelly and, you know, worse than, worse than your socked feet in your indoor sneakers, like ten times worse. And so what John is saying here is incredibly humble. 
Because he's saying, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy. This, this man who's coming after me, this Jesus guy, is so great, is so powerful, is so full of authority that I'm not even worthy to do the role of a slave. He's, he's pointing to the greatness of Jesus, the Son of God. But his words are also foreshadowing to the night that Jesus was betrayed. Where Jesus himself, right before the, the meal, the Last Supper, the meal that's actually set out before us today. But Jesus shows us why he came. It wasn't just to live with authority, to be a person of complete integrity, which is what Jesus was, to show us what it means to really be human. That's not all that Jesus did. He also showed us how far he was willing to go to save us. That night that Jesus was betrayed, he took off his outer garment and he got down on his hands and knees and began to untie the straps of his disciples' sandals. And Peter stands up and says, Stop! Not you! No! You can't! No! You won't do that! And, and Jesus replies to him, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you don't know why I came. I came not just to wash your feet, but to wash your life. I came to make you a new person. I came to give you an identity as a child of God. If you don't let me wash you, if you don't humble yourself and see your need for me, then you have no part. And what Jesus is saying in this is exactly what he says to us on the cross. When he went to the cross and when he died for us, he says, I, I've died to make you clean. I've died to set you free. I've died to make you a new person. And this, and only this, is how we can live with integrity, like John did. How we can be incredibly bold in everything that we do. It's what it means to be a witness. See, being a witness comes down to one simple and yet profound thing. Is Jesus your true love? Is he your king? Is what he says about you the most important thing in your life? And does it change everything about you? Witness is about integrity. About Christ's powerful life that he lived for us and his sacrificial death that he died for us. Which means that if we really love him and we really trust him, that we can live with integrity no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. Now this has been convicting me a lot this week. As I've recognized times in my life that my actions have fallen out of line with what I believe. And I've failed to be a witness of Jesus in my actions. And it isn't because I haven't tried hard enough. It's because I haven't trusted him. I didn't actually trust that he got my back in every single corner of my life. And so I've felt the need to take control of the situation. I didn't trust God's provision, which is why I fell out of integrity. Other times in my life, I found myself scared to speak up about Jesus when the moment presents itself. Because I don't want to be seen as unpopular or get the answer wrong. But in reality, it's just because 
I care more about what other people think of me than I care about what Jesus thinks of me. See, in Christ, we've received everything we need and found ourselves a Savior. The Savior that empowered John to be a bold and humble witness of Jesus who points us to Christ and calls us to live in his grace. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for um, John the Baptist and his incredibly bold witness that shows us how incredibly wonderful your grace is, the fact that you've, you've renamed us in Jesus. You've given us a new identity, an identity that, that can't be shaken, that, that is beyond any, what, any of our ability to earn. And Father, um, help us as we struggle along to um, live lives of integrity that we may, that we may with your Spirit, empowered by your Spirit, um, see that in Christ we have everything. In Jesus we pray. Amen.